Hi, this is Jason Bryden. Welcome to the Bold Acting Podcast. It's quite an intro, hey? I should get sound or something. Actually, I don't like sound. I've already pressed play on your podcast. I don't need you to tell me what you're about to talk to your guest about. I already made the decision. I probably already read the blurb, the description that comes with the episode. Don't tell me about it. I'm just going to fast forward. And I've already heard your shitty theme song with your generic rock. I've already heard it a million times, okay? I don't need to hear that again. And uh, Greens Plus, I get it. Stamps.com, cool. Squarespace, bought it. I already have a mattress. I don't know. If I had advertisers on my podcast, how would I do it differently? I'd probably uh, take a page out of Bill Burr, you know, where he um, talks his his sponsors down, treats them like shit, and they keep coming back for more. That's interesting. Uh, He does it in funny accents. I might sing one of them. I'd have to put surprises in there for get, to get people to not skip. I don't understand how ever some, you know, they make millions of dollars on podcasts, the top ones like Pivot, which is one of the more unoriginal names. Imagine in this day and age naming your podcast Pivot. Like let's figure out the most trending slash annoying word ever and then call our podcast. But then of course Kara Swisher also chose the Friends theme song uh, as some stinger music in it. So I'm going on and on about podcasts that are a million times more popular than mine, and yet I have notes. This is the Bold Acting Podcast, and here's my theme music that I haven't paid any royalties for, So, but it clearly it doesn't matter because... 47 people are listening. And I love you, each and every one of you. And just to thank you, I'm going to come to each and every one of your houses because I know where you live and do this podcast in person. Episode 25. No, 24. It doesn't matter. Just got back from Vancouver. I was up at 7 thanks to a full dose of Zopaclone. That drug really takes care of the jet lag. What a treat. Normally, I make a script of 30 pills last me approximately 9 months. I break them in half and just take them as a treat. That way, it's not another thing I'm hooked on. Because right now, the running tally of things I'm hooked on are wet gin martinis, short fiction, nasal spray, Henley shirts, and Gilgori toast, which is a Korean breakfast sandwich and possibly the greatest breakfast sandwich on earth. So a whole pill really gets the job done. You know, I slept through through the night without one wake up, and that was after being on Vancouver time for a week. So, pretty good. I used to be hooked on those, the Zopes. I mean, they are the new black. I was up to two every night during the throes of divorce. Now, I take a half of one once a week, just, just for fun. In my 20s, I was hooked on Ativan, 
Uh, I needed two and a half of those in a gin and tonic to survive the hour-long flight from Vancouver to Calgary where I was going to school. One hour. That was enough to get me hyperventilating. Look, a takeoff and a landing is a takeoff and a landing. It's fine when you're up at cruising altitude. Unless Chuck gets on the blower and starts bragging about 35,000 feet, no one wants to know Chuck. I'm a low-level addict, but a high-level self-medicator from way back. When I awake on this the morning in question, my phone is playing uh, the Tim Ferriss podcast. I don't like it much. I don't like I don't like him. Tim's questions are the longest things since Jason Bateman's questions. I wish I could coach him. I wish I could coach both of them. They don't need me. They're super successful. Who am I? Arnold is on this episode because he wrote a book. Wrote. As I dress, I listen to two people that love the sound of their own voices battle it out. Tim asks him, you were selling ice cream when you were a child. Now, let me just break in here for a quick sidebar. That was the question. He just said it. It wasn't in the interrogative, but he could have stopped there. Instead, he continues, or maybe it wasn't ice cream. It was some sort of popsicle thing. I don't know. You can't believe everything you read on the internet, but it was definitely a frozen dessert type thing. Was that true, Arnold? Is that your first entrepreneurial experience selling ice cream? I mean, we're an hour in. And then Arnold answers, yes, it was ice cream. So there, there's the answer. Done. But he continues. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I wanted a training suit. I'm not going to do the accent for the whole thing. I had my lederhosen and some high shoes, Arnold went on. You know, shoes that worked. Boots. He just explained what... Oh, fuck. He just explained what boots are. And my parents said, okay, if you want a training suit... Then you go and earn the money. So I got ice from the bottom of a hotel, and I got the ice cream from the hotel manager, and I went out with a trailer that I pulled, and I sold ice cream by the lake, and it was 30 to 35 degrees, so it was very hot. But can you imagine this guy being your parent? You got to put on your shoes and then tie your shoes, and you tie your shoes so your shoes stay on your, sho- on your feet and you don't trip on your laces. That kind of shit, day in and day out. But there was enough ice to keep the ice cream cold, and a guy came up to me, and I sold him three ice cream, and then a girl said, hey, I would like some ice cream too, and I sold him one, and then another. And I hadn't gone 20 yards, and I had sold all my ice cream. So then I went back and got more ice cream, and I sold it in a similar fashion, and then I was able to buy my training suit. So it's hard not to do the accent, so I would have another pair of pants that weren't lederhosen. Wow. If you didn't know either man, you'd think this was a podcast aimed at helping chronic insomniacs with that silver bullet they've been searching for for so long. Will this episode of the Bold Acting Podcast be about uh, brevity? Hardly. Not my forte. Just a pot calling the kettle black. A new student of mine mentions Ecclesiastes 9-11 on their Instagram account. I looked it up. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, 
nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. As usual, how annoying life is. In spite of Tim Ferriss's interviewing skills, his podcast is a million times more popular than mine. Same goes for Arnold, kind of. You know, he could have been discounted a million times, but he didn't pay attention to the naysayers. Time, a.k.a. persistence, breeds luck, good and bad. If you just love the thing you do, then the only wasted time is when you are forced to do anything else, is my shortcut to learning. Really, you can't control the popularity stuff, can you? You just do your best. You do diddly-doo, diddly-doo. I say the same thing every week. Obviously, I'm talking to myself. Hopefully, you also need repetitive cheerleading like I do. The cat begins to meow, as though she knows exactly when is best to begin making my life a living hell. I turn the light off and move act of oblivion by our hair is out of the way. It's about two of the regicidal killers that were resp- responsible for the assassination of Charles I. Imagine living in a time, this was the 17th century, where people will kill you for believing in the wrong version of the Bible. <sighs> oh, can you believe it? We've come so far. You can't say politics aside anymore. Politics aside, you can't say it. Everything is political. You can't just forget about it. And yet you can't write people off for having a difference of opinion either. Now that we can have a master's degree from Twitter, now that we don't have to do any research, all I have to do is regurgitate what I heard Mark Carney say about the economy on one podcast. I've read six books on personal finance, and you should hear me crow about forced savings and bond yields. Arnold spoke of how beatings from his father made him stronger, made him more resolute. He was going to get out of that small Austrian town and go to America. His brother took a different route. He succumbed to drink and died in his 20s in a drunk driving accident. The meaning of life is distributed on a case-by-case basis. This afternoon, I saw Master Plan at Crow's Theater. It's a play about how Google tried to develop between 12 and 500 acres of Toronto waterfront, and how even Google couldn't outmaneuver the city of Toronto's red tape. As I walked into the theater, I had to outmaneuver a gaggle of high schoolers. I should have known. Coming to a matinee on a Wednesday will of course be filled with the zit-popping miscreants and their phones. But when I got inside, to my horror, it was worse. It was the aged in attendance, in slow-moving, flatulent droves. The sweet crop-haired silverback to my right spent most of the afternoon asleep on my shoulder. Six times she fell asleep in the first half. In her defense, I have broad shoulders. And it was a very talky play. But she should have known this by now. I mean, she made her bed. She's been around long enough to see the original production Eliza Strata back in the old country. 
plays are where people come on stage and talk about what they're going to do. Then they go off stage and do it. The opposite rules apply to film. The woman to my left watched the entire play like Mexicans watch a movie in a cinema in Mexico. She responded to the actors as if the Q&A had already begun. Oh, sure, she did. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you think, Buster. It's always Buster with these ones. The leg room in this theater is, as usual, atrocious. At the intermission, I went outside to move my car and stretch my legs and thought if I can't find parking, I'll save myself the deep vein thrombosis and go home early. This isn't out of character for me. I've seen the first act of many a play. But this one was too good. Mike Shara, who played the bad guy, was a spatula-headed bro CEO in a slick suit that liked to tell everyone he was a good listener. I could relate. I could play that role, too. Do you sit there mumbling lines your favorite character has just uttered? I wish I had a remote control. I could just press pause on him. And then I could watch him again and again and copy him. His timing was great. Damn it. And then I fell in love with Tara Nic Nicodemo. Nicodemo? Nicodemo. Nicodemo who played a waterfront Toronto bigwig. God, she was mesmerizingly good and beautiful. Isn't that what you want in a two-hour relationship that only one of you is aware of? You want laughs from a proxy of yourself, and you want to fall in love. That's getting your money's worth. Like the first time you saw Kieran Culkin play Roman Roy on uh, Succession, and then his sister Shiv sashays on screen. Wow. I needed nothing else. Casting had taken care of everything. Now that's human resources. I made the mistake of Googling Tara when I got home and saw her beautiful self in many pictures with a bald guy. <laughs> okay, so maybe she's not available. And, not to mention, not aware of me. Then I saw she was on Star Trek with an ex of mine that is also doing way better than I am. Then I saw an ex-co-worker who used to be so mean from a short-lived TV show we were both on a thousand years ago, and she too was Canadian famous compared to me. She was busy thanking her agent in the pages of Toronto Life, an agent I fired years ago because she was mean. Hey, that fits. Three minutes on the internet can really ruin your day. After Mike Shara delivers some great lines, none of which I can remember, and Tara and I have our first fight, why aren't you paying attention to me? I'm up here in the back row. We stand and applaud. Not that they didn't deserve a standing ovation, but how many plays that I've actually made it to the end of had me leading the ovation purely because it felt like my knees were going to explode and I couldn't sit another minute. Are comfortable chairs really so expensive? I mean, I know it's theater and the margins can be tight, but 
People are expected to sit here listening for hours. It's part of the social contract. What happened to standing room only? They have that at the big places. I like that. I mean, not that I can stand for long on concrete or tile. No, and I can't wear dress shoes anymore. My feet hurt too much. I described the pain to my mom uh, this past Thanksgiving weekend, and she said, that sounds like arthritis. Terrific. But at least with standing room only, you can move around, and you can stretch, and you can walk over to the bar, and then you can come back, and then you can walk over to the bathroom, and then you can come back, and you can walk out into the lobby and talk to an usher, and then you can, can come back. You can be at all the lineups for, at the intermission, and the prices are cheaper. And you don't have to look out over anyone's head, and you're not blocking anybody because you're at the back. I like that. I miss the old silverback leaning up against me and catching some Z's, though. As I walk out to my car, which is now about six blocks away, over near Degrassi Street, I think about the time I slept through a live audience with the Dalai Lama. My God, he was boring. I mean, maybe he was just having an off night. If only he asked somebody to suck his tongue, you know? Then I'd be paying attention. I was sitting beside my mother, and I could not stay awake to save my life. I can't understand the guy. I can't understand him. When he talks, it makes no sense to me. Now, his bestie was there also, Desmond Tutu. Boy, was he a charmer. R.I.P. So cute. So funny. He made you fall in love with him. You couldn't help it. Maybe that's the sign of greatness. Funny, and they make you fall in love. All within two hours. That's a dragon that needs chasing. And in time, and with good chance, maybe, just maybe, it will happeneth to me. No advice this week. I forgot to ask people as I was on vacation. If you have advice for your younger self and you are a seasoned pro in the industry, in any industry, send it to me at jasonbryden at gmail.com. I'll repeat that email address again at the end. Send advice to your younger self. State your name, what you do, how long you've been doing it, and where you are currently residing. And then launch right into it. Give yourself, your younger self, one piece of advice. Keep it around a minute long. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks in advance. Send that voice memo over to jasonbryden at gmail.com. And if you have a question on showbiz and you're an actor starting out, send it to me at the same email address. Ask me anything about acting, agents, paying your taxes, how to save, how to invest, how to memorize lines better, how to audition, etc. Send me your questions to jasonbryden at gmail.com via voice memo. Before we continue, please to be picking up your phone and going to your podcast player. Got it? Now, go to the three dots halfway down on the right side. Then hit, go to show. Are you there? Now scroll down and tap to rate. Five stars, please. Only five. Or scroll down a little further and you'll see an opportunity to write a review. As long as I'm not making money at this, I feel the need to harangue you to do me this kindness. Thanks so much. And now, 
It's time for the Bold Acting Newsletter. Humans Doing My brother-in-law built a website called Humans.club. It's an introspection on what it means to be human in the age of AI. Every day on Twitter, they'll publish a fun challenge to think about. To this end, they need lots of challenges, and could I supply some? So far, I cannot. What does it mean to be human? I've never thought about that. Now, what does it mean to be human in the face of AI? I mean, what on earth is AI? It can't be chat GPT. That's just a wannabe screenwriter, isn't it? That's just a word processor for the lazy. I haven't tried it yet. I'm too lazy. Same goes for the AI function on Canva, the graphic design website I use. It's there, but I don't like trying new things, because I assume it will be like me trying to figure out my new smart TV. Incredibly unsmart. And time-consuming. AI can't be the AI function on Filmora, which is the video editing software my eldest uses. The 13-year-old types in cat in space, he tells me, and an image of a cat in space appears. That's not intelligence, artificial or real. That's big tech grabbing the attention of teens making memes. If I don't know what AI is, then how can I know what it means to be human in relation to it? The thing in the news with the writers and the actors in Hollywood recently that's now so boring I can't bring myself to mention it by name had to do with the dangers of AI. Words written by a bot. Images copied and animated by code that learns. My head-in-the-sand approach stops me from even trying to understand it. Is that human? It must be. I'm mostly human. I'm also stardust, monster, and increasingly petrified wood. I listen to a lot of podcasts, especially when I can't sleep. On one, there was a high school student addicted to her phone. She started a club, too. It's called the Luddite Club. The original Luddites were textile workers in the 19th century in England that opposed the use of cost-saving machinery. They sound a lot like a labor union. The Brooklyn teen had eschewed her smartphone and encouraged others her age to do the same. Now they meet in a park and talk and knit and draw and go to concerts. It sounds glorious. It sounds intellectual, too, and real. Artificial means fake. Antonyms include genuine and sincere. But humans can be both. Performers practice within artifice as a rule. Stanislavski said acting is truthful behavior in imagined circumstances. When we praise a performance, we call it real, authentic, grounded, truthful. I don't think we call it intellectual. Being human means all of it. There isn't anything else. There's no control group in this experiment. Relativism requires a comparable. What am I comparing myself to? On humans.club, it says it is now inevitable. AI will surpass human intelligence. We will be eclipsed. How do we know this for certain? 
Did we ask the internet? Is the answer on Wikipedia? Did AI tell us this? If I supply humans.club with what it's like to be human, then won't I be feeding the enemy the very ammunition it needs to eclipse me? With the Hollywood stuff and the lockout of Ontario commercial actors that's on to its 6,000th day, the only performers still working are the ones working in theater. This includes my friends Bruce Horak and Len Stanga and Rebecca Northan and others that have fostered a theatrical career alongside the on-camera. We all met in the drama department of the University of Calgary. They kept at it. I quit as soon as I could. As technology progresses and tries to relegate us to the sidelines, everything reverts to its natural state. It's going to be Station Eleven out there. I think it's time I dust off my grease paints and tights. Cockroaches survive because they're not nostalgic. They get out of the house that's on fire. They don't hang around trying to save the place, the photo albums, the pet cat. They get out as fast as they can. They don't care about the good old days. I can be like the Brooklyn teen and a roach. I can still perform. I may not be remunerated like I was. I may not make any money at all. But why is everything getting so hard? Why now? Who's doing this to us? Why can't we stop? Why are we so helpless in the face of ourselves? I regularly feel the limitations of my own brain power. And it's only getting worse. Brain cells are deteriorating. I'm not as quick or sharp as I used to be. At this rate, my accrued wisdom won't be enough to shore up where my intellect fails me. I'll need help from my family, my friends, and from the very beast that is trying to destroy me. I'll rely on medical AI to diagnose illness weather AI to tell me when it's safest to fly south for the winter, and large language models to write this newsletter. What is clear is the meek have inherited the earth. The nerds own us all. It's no longer about religion, might, or monarchy. It's about intellect, real or otherwise. And I am on the back foot Here's hoping someone is still interested in mildly offensive bullshit once in a while. I cannot afford to be a Luddite, though. My mission is to do everything so my children don't resent me. I want them to include me once in a while. Ergo, I must keep abreast of things, gaming, internet, and digital. I'm not a star. It's too late for that. But I'm stardust. And Elon doesn't control the heavens, yet. I'm a cockroach, on a stage, in a spotlight, begging you to notice me before this place burns to the ground. Thanks for listening to the Bold Acting Podcast. If you liked it, please spread the word. If you didn't, keep it to yourself. No one likes a whiner. 
For more information on classes, go to boldacting.com classes. To subscribe to my newsletter, go to boldacting.substack.com. Until next time.